All right, blockaders, you know what time it is. It's time to sit down with the man, the myth, the legend himself after a high day of clamming, Mr. Robin Vote. Let's sit back, relax, and make the jump into a galaxy far, far away. Man, rumor has it that galaxy's even out far past Dorchester. Okay, there goes the switch. Sweet. Avoid legal snags by telling people they're being recorded. You are being recorded. There we go. I did my legal bit. Five, four, three, two, one. I'm not even going to waste any time. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the BrickCityBlockade.com podcast network. It's your boy, Robin Vote here from Make the Jump podcast. That's right. You're back on here on the podcast network. And listen, I had Michael Marisi on last time. I had Talking Bay 94 on before, but this time... I've got, and let me say, he's rocking a Brick City shirt in the in in the flesh right now. It's Mr. Trevor himself from Sporkle. The uh, how how would I say it? I'm gonna have you say it. You are the curator of Star Wars yeah. quizzes, essentially. Yes, that is correct, Robin. So I'm the curator of the Star Wars subcategory on Sporkle.com. Sporkle's known for millions of uh, Sporkle quizzes. Well, of basically any topic imaginable but i'm in charge of all the star wars ones within the subcategory and there's the movies category so that's basically the overhead of it and yeah it's it's a lot of fun and okay i'm sorry it's going in the next question (laughs) it's okay man no it's all about natural flow here man it's all it's all about getting into that discussion and and let me (laughs) ask you this question first trevor because like any other guest, any other person we have here on the podcast network, one of the most natural questions we can throw at somebody is, listen, you're enveloped in the Star Wars, essentially, quiz, quiz and test world. That's what I'm going to call it. And that fandom just doesn't start from birth, even though I think elsewise. It is something that happens over time. We love this galaxy far, far away, and, and we're almost bred into it across time. Where was that for you? When did Star Wars become... A major part of your life well basically when i was like seven eight years old probably uh-huh. and about what i'm sorry i'm trying to think of the year but basically yeah. it was like 2006 2007 when my uh, dad sat myself and my brothers down and we watched a new hope and i just became mesmerized by the whole movie and then you know we later went on to watch empire strikes back return of the yeah. jedi and, and the prequels and yeah, I, I just loved pretty much all of it right from there. And then my love continued right after with the start of the Clone Wars television show. Just growing oh, up yeah. watching every single episode of that. Oh, there were so many great arcs within the Clone Wars animated series, man. I can remember just some of the stuff with Yoda. And then more specifically, I think the one here at the Podcast Network that we talk about all the time that's one of our personal favorites is Ahsoka Tano, the rise of Ahsoka, going from Padawan to truly, in many ways, by the end of the series. And, of course, Dave Filoni's going to answer even more questions at the end of this year about where does Ahsoka truly end up before the events of Rebels and, of course, the Ahsoka novel by E.K. Johnson. But there's going to be a lot of other twists and turns within that story, and I'm so excited for it. And I have to admit, I agree with you. The Clone Wars, for me specifically... Being a child of 1993, growing up with the prequels more specifically, and just being able to envelop myself into that galaxy far, far away within that time period. I mean, I connected immediately with young Obi-Wan in the prequels. Who, who's a character for you 
that you truly connected with in your first introduction to Star Wars. Well, yeah, I definitely have to say Ahsoka Tano for that. You know, as she started off being a bit annoying, not really knowing, not <laughs> yes. not really knowing her yes. place. But That's then, right. you know, as time went on, she learned from these various lessons, these missions in which she was in danger, these yep. teachings yep. from Anakin, and just transformed into just this really powerful character and something that I can definitely appreciate as I was growing up watching those. Yeah. And just I, re really become investing with her character. Yeah, she is. She's a very invested character, not only mm -hmm. in terms of Anakin and the rest of the crew that she associated herself with, of course, Captain Rex, the entire clone, uh, art troopers crew there. Um, but even after that point, the way that she was able to adapt herself with the crew from Rebels and how Filoni was able to just, just flawlessly be able to bring Ahsoka back into the picture in Rebels and in a way where walking into Rebels, you never thought Ahsoka would fit into that equation. And uh, he's the mastermind of that. And moving into kind of the core topic, I kind of sent you these ideas through email just to kind of get your mind rolling on it. But one of the major things I want to talk to you about is Lucasfilm itself. And as we approach Star Wars Celebration, I've been saying that a lot on the recent podcast, but it's so close. It's April. And... We know that Lucasfilm has five days to play with at Star Wars Celebration. It's a first ever, and they have to load us up with content on each day to be able to get us super psyched. This is basically their chance at laying out the Marvel timeline that we had from Kevin Feige. We didn't have that schedule for Star Wars, essentially. We only had Disney telling us at certain conventions, hey, Star Wars Episode Nine right here, and then unnamed projects. No, Marvel format is, let's lay it out all out for you. Let's get you all psyched up. So for you, Trevor, what is the one thing as we're heading forward here with Lucasfilm, heading towards Star Wars Celebration, what is the one thing that you want to see Lucasfilm announce either right before Celebration or just surprise everybody with at Star Wars Celebration in Chicago this year? Okay, so for that, I have to say the, the announcement of uh, Kenobi, a Star Wars story. Ah, okay. good, good, good. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I am really loved... Uh, Ewan McGregor's portrayal throughout the prequels, and I'd love to see if there's an interesting story to tell with his time on Tatooine, maybe in the first few years of, you know, looking after Luke from a distance, and just if there's any compelling story to be had, I want it to be in the form of a movie, you know, and I want Ewan McGregor to come back for that role. Yeah, and you're looking at a very different Obi-Wan. You're looking at somebody who has now dealt with dealing with Maul. Maul came and found him on Tatooine again in Star Wars Rebels, and we leave off with that scene of him looking at young Luke running across, going back to Uncle Owen and Aunt Veru. And that is where the Steven Stanton Obi-Wan, as I like to call it, that is the moment where I think a, a Kenobi film could pick up right the next day after the defeat of Maul. That would be, because he has to wrap his mind around, what does this mean? What does this mean for him? That, that his demons have come to find him even on this faraway planet. What other demons for Obi-Wan still exist? Because we know that there were many in his mind. He was never sure about if he was safe or not. Even residing within the Force, no matter what Qui-Gon Jinn, his master, or even Master Yoda told him, they were always, always to be cautious, always to be weary of your surroundings, connect with nature, find that balance. Trevor, do you think that there is a very flustered obi-wan on tatooine after those moments i mean it's it's kind of hard to say he he definitely seemed 
calm and collected throughout the like entire exchange uh-huh, uh-huh. through Maul and looking at Luke and stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's definitely different ways to go about it of, you know, reassessing the situation of, you know, how Maul came back here and stuff. I mean, this idea of, you know, a Kenobi film taking place right after that Twin Sons episode, that's not something I thought of because I was thinking of Ewan McGregor looking much younger, like, you know, a mm-hmm, five mm-hmm. year, five years after Revenge of the Sith type of thing, instead of like a couple years before A New Hope. But I mean, with CGI, anything's possible, I guess. Yeah, in, ter- in terms of, uh, you know, Ewan McGregor's face lining up with uh, Sir Alec Guinness. Yeah, it's, there's a lot of different things that they could play with within that. I agree with you. I think just the events that follow after he brings Luke to Aunt Beru and Uncle Owen on Tatooine. It's funny because those, those moments are so similar, and yet there's such a big span of time in between them. I like your idea of whether, whether whatever side they play with it. I'll just say that. Whatever side they want to play with, I think Lucasfilm, like you said, has the technology to make it happen, even if it's Ewan McGregor in that role. We saw that with Tarkin, essentially with Tarkin in Rogue One. Totally, yeah, there was the wonkiness and the kind of the, the weird left eye that he had in a couple moments. But as we see, technology is improving over time. So who knows? We never know what we're going to see out of that. I, I like that answer of, of the Obi-Wan film. I think a couple of the polls that we put out here at Brick City, most people said Obi-Wan. Um, some other people said, and this was a fascinating one, Trevor, was the whole idea of, okay, what's going on with Benioff and Weiss with with what they're working on? Because you have Game of Thrones directors in the Star Wars universe. What could that mean? What is your hope with the Benioff and Weiss stuff if we hear it announced at Star Wars Celebration? Well, I'm going to have to go with uh, Benioff and Weiss making a series revolving around the Old Republic and... That the reason I say that is because, of course, their Game of Thrones experience. I'm guessing that there's going to be some similarities with Game of Thrones and the Old Republic. And another thing is the fact that I'm not very traversed in <laughs> terms of the Old Republic at all. And I'd love to just, you know, learn all these sort of things through this, you know, series of films. And I, I think that they have the capability to deliver a, a brilliant series those two yeah I, I love the game of thrones format i think it works very well in the star wars universe and whether they announce a benioff and weiss are doing a tv series or whether they announce oh you know what let's actually move this into film format let's let's let them have some fun with this my guess is and all the reports up to this point have been saying it's going to be a television series it's going to be something probably that you're going to see on disney plus because you're going to have the mandalorian on there you're going to have a lot of other projects on there Knowing how Marvel cranks out their television shows, yeah, a lot of them have been canceled recently, Trevor. But overall, when you look at how Marvel handles their television shows, how DC with Arrow and with Supergirl and with all these other shows, they have multiple shows happening at once. It would make sense. And they're all live action. That's the, that's the main thing. They're all live action. If Star Wars wants to get into that, then I say Mandalorian is still there. And then you gotta do you gotta do another live action show if you want to follow that format because it is a Disney product, and I feel like Trevor, I don't know how you feel about this, but it's really going to come down to because because of Episode Nine coming out at the end of this year, we're not sure about Episode Ten yet. Lucasfilm is really trying out the television universe. They're seeing how the streaming services have capitalized 
on all these live action television series and how much money it's made Netflix and all these other companies. I think like, like anybody in the business mindset, if there's money in there, you add your name to the pot and you give it a shot. And I feel like that's what Disney is trying to work towards. I don't know how you feel about it, but I think it would be a very smart approach to Star Wars, especially if we're going to have a three to four year gap until the next trilogy. Yeah. Yeah. That definitely makes sense to me. It's just, uh, you pointed out that uh, David Benioff and D.B. Weiss is actually going to be a TV series cause mm. I, or something. Because I, I always was under the impression that it was uh, going to be a series of movies like theatrically released. But Yeah, yeah. And, and that's always been because Lucasfilm orig originally announced that as Benioff and Weiss are working on an upcoming Star Wars project. So then the rumors started flying about, OK, is this television? Is this film? And you're right. That's exactly what happened to Ryan Johnson, too, was, oh, Ryan Johnson's going to start doing some streaming stuff. No, actually, it is Ryan Johnson doing a series of films. So it's funny how Lucasfilm, and this is what everybody has been talking about up to this point, Trevor, and you've probably seen this on social media. What is Lucasfilm's plan? How do they want to lay out the next five years, or whatever that gap is until the next trilogy, of content for the fans. We get it in the books, we get it in the comic books. What, for you, is one of the best ways you feel to take it in? Are you movies and canon stuff? What, what's like, are you a canon junkie like me, Trevor? I'm curious to know. Well, uh, I can certainly say I have not read as many comics or books as you have. I mean, I've read a decent amount of the comics and just to, I'll just name off all the canon books I've read because it's not sure. that long, okay? But I've read Dark Disciple, Ahsoka, A New Dawn, Catalyst, and Tarkin. Ooh, okay. That's, that, that, that's it. And then I'm about to start Bloodline. I mean, technically, oh, I've read the first chapter of it. And, you know, I still need to pick back up from yeah. there. Yeah, nice. Okay. Yeah, Tarkin, Tarkin's a great one. And then the one for me, I'm so glad you mentioned this because, in a, in a way, I was hoping you were going to mention this, is the book Catalyst, the prequel to Rogue One and everything that happens. Doesn't that give so much great background to Galen Erso and the Erso family as they're dealing with Krennic and, and like the lead up to the events of Rogue One? I think it's one of the best prequel style novels to a film that we've ever seen. Even though the films have come out and then they go back to it, I, I still think Catalyst is up there, man. And I don't think it gets enough credit for what it does. Oh, absolutely. I can definitely agree with you there as... I'm able to learn so much more about Galen Erso and especially, you know, his wife, Lyra. Yes. And, you know, wh what's going on with them in terms of even before Jenna's born and then as she's just a newborn and then this, you know, inner workings with Krennic and how he's able to kind of manipulate Galen, yeah. you know, in order to best position himself. Yeah, it's it's an amazing book for sure. I definitely recommend it to any of you. Brick City listeners out there. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 a high compliment, man. You take what Trevor says and you run with it. And 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 you go out and you pick up your copy of Catalyst. If and what I recommend too, Trevor, is you read Catalyst and then as soon as you finish it up, you turn on Rogue One and and you watch the events that occur because everything just the entire timeline of Rogue One itself just plays out in front of your face and it's one of the most wonderful wonderful things that you can have in so many different ways. So there's that. And then I think it's interesting. You did bring up the whole old Republic stuff because 
I love the Old Republic, and I think it's a great time period that they could really travel deep into. And though it's not technically canon, I feel like Filoni and Hidalgo at Lucasfilm, in particular, would love to go back to that time period. And we've played so much with the original trilogy timeline and that span from Return of the Jedi now up to the events of Force Awakens. We've played so much in that sandbox that I think it's about time we take that Tonka truck out of there and we start going to another sandbox and start playing with new kids. And when it comes to the Old Republic stuff, I want to see it, Trevor, this is, this is specifically how I feel. I don't know how you feel on this, but I feel like if we get out of that sandbox and Lucasfilm wants to go to the Old Republic, it can't be like how the game's laid it out because that is really too in-depth for a lot of the general public Star Wars fans, the people that are not truly into it. How do you feel Lucasfilm can successfully travel back into the Old Republic and reformat it for the general Star Wars audience? I think that there's ways that they could do it, but I'm curious to hear what you think. Well, I don't really have much to say considering I've actually never played any of the Knights of the Old Republic games or any of that stuff. Like, I mean, I've heard of Revan, I've heard of Darth Bane, and, you know, those sort of things. I mean, I guess I could say I'm curious of knowing more about, like, the original Vizsla guy that forged the Darksaber and maybe, you know, elaborate more on that story that it was uh, told in that Rebels episode. Just, I don't know, flush it out a bit more. That's really all I can say in terms of the Old Republic is that that, that Darksaber and, like, the story behind it. Yeah, the Mandalorian is going to be taking up that time period after um, Return of the Jedi and just before Force Awakens, it's going to be playing in that sandbox. If you're going to give a Mandalorian story within there, why don't we go back to pre-Vizsla? Why don't we take a look at the development of the Darksaber? The first Mandalorian to become a part of the Jedi Council. That is a huge, huge part of the Mandalorian history. Because for the Old Republic fans out there and the people who have played it, there's one man that stands beyond all of them. And that's Mandalore the Ultimate. Which is somebody who didn't believe in all that who believed that he could rule over Mandalore. And basically, there would be no Sith, there would be no Jedi. It's just the power of the Mandos. And that section of of history and time, because that's where Revan falls in, that's where Malak falls in. And like you said, not too far before that, you had Darth Bane. And Darth Bane is the one I would absolutely love for them to get into, because you have the rule of two. You wouldn't have the original trilogy, the stuff with Palpatine and Vader, unless you had the rule of two. You wouldn't have any of that kind of development. And you wouldn't have the stuff in Clone Wars. Being a Clone Wars fan, Trevor, I mean, that plays so big into the Yoda arc. Am I correct? Well, yeah, I mean, de- definitely so with uh, that one Darth Bane scene, which I believe Mark Hamill provided the voice <laughs> of. Yeah, which is great. And, yeah, but... I mean, aside from that one Clone Wars scene and just knowing that he created the Rule of Two, I know absolutely nothing else about Darth Bane, which, I mean, I guess could be a good thing if they're going to tell it in a certain way or, you know, it means that I need to pick up those, you know, books and get to read. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the thing is the Darth Bane Rule of Two novel is great. But I think for those, and actually, Trevor, I'll say it to you, I wouldn't pick them up just yet because there could be a time and place here where, yeah, they're on the shelf and everything. But much like the original Thrawn books that Timothy Zahn has done, Thrawn alliances and the late in the Thrawn novel before that have have fleshed out so much about Grand Admiral Thrawn in the canon that other people are looking at those books now and they're saying, 
Oh, these are, these are just fan fiction. These that's just, and it's even though it's Zon read you know writing it, it's fan fiction in the grand spectrum of what is canon and what is not. And having your own head canon is important. And you just pick up a book because you want to read it and whatever else. But it's fascinating. There's this there's this switch happening where Lucasfilm was like, ah, I'm not sure if we're gonna touch some of the legend stuff. And now Dave Filoni and the entire team, Trevor, are like, ah, let's actually play in that sandbox a little bit. Let's let's bring some of these. Uh, these uh, legends back into the forefront. How have you been enjoying Filoni and everybody bringing Grand Admiral Thrawn into the picture through Rebels and whatever else? That, is it is it what you ever expected? Because there was always that talk of, well, Disney's never going to touch this stuff. And suddenly they did. Well, I didn't have much expectations going in. I mean, I know people were pumped out of their minds in Star Wars <laughs> Celebration London whenever they announced that stuff. And I was just thinking, okay, another Rebels episode, let's see, well, another Rebel season, let's see where this goes in terms of just, you know, the masterpiece that came right before it with uh, Twilight of the Apprentice yeah. and stuff. But um, in terms of Thrawn, like, I was generally pleased with his character. Um, I know a really good episode is uh, Through Imperial Eyes, which yes. basically is callous trying to do these things, you know, to help uh, the Rebellion, but then not let Thrawn, you know, discover his right. motives about it and stuff like that. that episode was really good. And, you know, or, I don't know. I, I've also heard, you know, a bunch of people saying, oh, yeah, but, uh, you know, Thrawn's no match for the Pergil army right at the end of <laughs> the finale or something. <laughs> oh, I've... I have not heard that comment in a long time, and I appreciate it because that scene, man, uh, just the entire ending to Star Wars Rebels had me like, uh, what? Like, I did not expect any of that. And then, of course, the very, very end where we see Ahsoka and Sabine going off, that that was a tear. That would water your eyes. That would water your eyes very quickly uh, as a hardcore Star Wars fan. Now, Trevor, one of the things I want to do, because you're kind of surprising the listeners here. I know we talked about it ahead of time, but... There's a little bit of a Star Wars quiz that's going to happen here coming up really soon here. Tell us a little bit more about Sporkle and, and the website itself, what you do there, and how people can go on there and uh, participate. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you asked. So I'll just re reiterate it some more, provide some more detail. But yeah, Sporkle's this trivia quiz website. It's been around since July of 2007, which is with its first quiz, naming the U.S. presidents. And from there, it just expanded onward with you know anyone can create a free account and create quizzes on any topic imaginable and i myself have created about 300 or so quizzes wow. on there and you know at least 50 or 60 star wars ones of course nice and yeah and then i've had this uh, position of curator of star wars for two and a half years now and basically, I'm looking through all these uh, Star Wars related quizzes, and I'm basically highlighting the ones that are well received, enjoyable, mm. and factually accurate. So it lets Sporkle headquarters nice. know that it's worthy to be published as a quiz. And nice. they, they go on to publish about, you know, 10 to 12 a day. Wow. That's a great job, man. You get to check the accuracy of fans who think they know what they're talking about, but maybe don't know what they're talking about. And, uh, uh, that's me on a Wikipedia page while I'm talking to podcast guys. They're going over and they're like, ah, go back to Wikipedia, Robin. Check it again. It's always fun. It's always fun. But yeah, absolutely check it out. I was over there um, actually at my lunch break today checking out Sporkle a little bit and some of your quizzes and whatever else. And it's really, really cool. And I encourage all the blockaders out there to head on over there. We will have a link attached 
to this podcast episode so everybody can go and check out what Mr. Trevor, also Trevor Beast 454 as he is known uh, to many over there on Sporkle. But Trevor, listen, I wanted to lead it up to this because I'm super excited. You told me I had to be a teacher for a moment and I had to create three little circles to make a Venn diagram, a three-way Venn diagram. And after doing math all day with kids, uh, I think I am in the right place to be doing this absolutely. So lay out what this is exactly for the listeners. Okay, so this is just a quick two-minute Sporkle quiz. It's called Star Wars Venn Diagrams, where there's three circles, uh-huh. and there's three different criteria. There's known force user, non-human sentient, and does not appear in the original trilogy. And there's eight characters, so you fill up one for each section. So one for all three criteria, three for two circles, three for just one circle, and then one for the outside. N- doesn't fit any of the three. And, right, right, right. And I'm about to test Robin's knowledge on this. So. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah. and uh, well, b- before I do, I definitely want to shout out the creator of the quiz, PSM52. It's it's a really good quiz. I mean, it's got a 4.7 out of 5, so couldn't ask for too much better. Uh, yeah. And, all right, so, so you ready to start then? Let's get this quiz started. Okay, so your first one is Han Solo. So where does he fit within these? I'm going to put him in the non-human sentient category. Okay, well, that's incorrect. <laughs> See? But, but because Han Solo is human. So he actually fits in the outside of all the three circles. Oh, I didn't even know that was a, a option. What? Uh, uh, I mean, I specified it twice, but... Did you? See, yeah. that's that's me after a long day at okay. work. And the kids say, Mr. Okay. Boat, why aren't you paying attention? All right. All right, that's one wrong for me already. Okay, yeah, that, <laughs> that that's fine. Okay, so let's go into the next one. You got Darth Maul. Where okay. does Darth Maul fit into all three? I believe he would be all three, correct? Yes, you are correct there. <laughs> okay, that's one. Yep, so next one would be Jar Jar Binks. Ah. <laughs> I believe he would be in the non-human sentient and does not appear in original trilogy category. You are correct. So the next one is Finn, also known as FN2187. Wow, okay. So he would be, in specific... He'd be residing in between the does not appear in original trilogy and the outside. Oh, uh, well, well, we're Either just going to say does not appear in the original trilogy. Does not trilogy. appear in the original trilogy. Okay. Yep. Yeah, that's correct. Next gotcha. one is Yoda. Ooh, good. So he would be within the non-human sentient and known force shooters in your category. Yes, you are correct. Next one would be Darth Vader. Darth Vader. Dude. He would be found in the known force user category. You are correct. Next one, Jabba the Hutt. He would be in the non-human sentient category. You are correct. Last one, Mace Windu. Wow. Okay, so Mace Windu would be, therefore, in the does not appear in original trilogy and nor- known force user category. Yep, you are correct. So you got seven out, of eight, seven out of eight. The only one you missed was Han Solo, which was outside. Isn't okay. that crazy? Yeah. <laughs> and it's because mm-hmm. kids... All you kids out there who are probably in my classroom who are trying to listen to this, that's Mr. Vote messing up on the most simple answer. So don't do it to yourself in class. Awesome. No, that's really cool. So people can go over to Sporkle and find quizzes like this. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that is so great. And for all the Star Wars fans out there, if you have not checked it out, again, we will have a link associated here with this podcast episode and all the fantastic things that Trevor is doing over there making sure that your Star Wars knowledge 
is up to par. Obviously, I need to work on mine, but that is just all right. A 7 out of 8. I will take it. I will take it 100%. Now, Trevor, before I let you go here on the podcast, there is one thing that I do have to ask as my final, final question here. So if you yourself were to fly one starship in the Star Wars universe, a dream starship, which would that be, my friend? I'm going to go with the Millennium Falcon, even Ah. though that's probably the most common one. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, if you want more originality for me, then I'll say uh, the Twilight ship, which is the, the one that originated from the Clone Wars movie. Yes. You know, that, uh, that Anakin and Ahsoka okay, flew yeah. from Teth to Tatooine to get Rada back home. That's you know? a great ship. I don't, you know, it's funny. I never hear anybody mention the Twilight in there. So bravo to you. Usually I hear like, oh, Naboo Starfighter. It's so cool. The design was so awesome. I have my thoughts about the Naboo Starfighter. But anyway, it's, it's, a, it's always an interesting question. I'm always fascinated to hear what people say about it. And you went with the Twilight. So bravo to you. All you Twilight lovers out there, and I don't mean the book or the movies, but the people who love the ship itself. Trevor just entered your court, and he is ready to play for your team coming up here very, very soon. So definitely to check out the Sporacle stuff. Trevor, it is that time of the show. I don't know if you, you, you've listened to enough podcasts. You probably know what it is. It's when we come to the end of an episode. It's a little thing we like to call. Plug time. Yeah! He said, yes! Yes! I love it every time somebody gets it. I love it. Trevor, where can the good people find you across social media? Okay, so there's really only two places. One would be Twitter, TrevorBeast454. That's spelled T-R-E-V-E-R, Beast454. And then the only other place is my sporkle account itself which is uh sporkle.com slash user slash trevor beast 454 and uh one more thing i will say is uh if you follow me on twitter there's a 90 percent chance that i'll follow you back so those are pretty good odds (laughs) never tell me the odds but in that case you do have to tell them the odds and i love it i love it in so many different ways you guys can follow me over on twitter at mr vote tweets check out all my tomfoolery on Instagram and random turtle videos over there at the official vote www.brickcityblockade.com for all these fantastic podcast episodes and everything happening in a galaxy far, far away or maybe not too, too far away. Also, Patreon to support the network, T Public to rock the network like Mr. Trevor Beast 454 over there, and also make sure to donate this year to a galaxy of joy from Starlight Children's Foundation and the Brick City Blockade, bringing smiles to kids' faces in hospitals around the country one cent at a time, or however much you feel like donating. We love it. Helping out kids is one of the greatest things you can do every single day you have that opportunity. So once again, thank you so much, Trevor, for coming here on the blockade. You are now a blockader. Thank you. Once again, I mean, if there's anything I love, it's being a blockader. (laughs) <laughs> I love it. Block outing, blockading out the hate, whatever it is. Trevor's got it all locked in for you. For Trevor Beast 454, it is Robin Vote signing off here on Make the Jump. And as we always say, May the Force be with you 